Welcome to the Daily Win, a Today App podcast. My name is Shay Antunes. Life insurance, we all want to write more. It's the right thing to do for the customer, and it's the right thing to do for your business. Our guest today specializes in life insurance. Even though she does write across all lines of business, she is an absolute stud superstar when it comes to life insurance. In fact, she's one of the top 10 life insurance producing agents for the company she represents. Our guest today is Encinitas, California, multi-line agent Katie Beach Harlan. Katie has had a fascinating career from working in politics to being an academic to eventually becoming an agent and taking ownership of her career. In her six years as an agent, she has always been amongst the top 2% in total production with the company she represents, but also she's been a top 10 life insurance volume agent, meaning she has been in the top 10 of all agents within her company in total death benefit written. The awesome economic impact that writing that much death benefit can have on communities is just huge. So she's doing awesome work with that. She's also been an exotic traveler and has made million dollar round table. These are all amazing accomplishments over the course of an entire long career, but she's done all of these things in six short years as an agent. During our conversation, Katie discusses everything from her why, why she wanted to get into the business, why she wanted to own a business and start a business, you know, the big why, what fuels her and what motivates her each day. So we discuss that. We discuss her hiring practices, how she manages her team. And then at the end, we get into some really cool life insurance sales processes. You won't want to miss it. Katie absolutely brought the fire in our conversation, and I am so excited to share it with you. And because we spoke for so long, we're actually going to break this interview up into two parts. So one part's out now, and the next part will come out on August 31st. So thank you all so very much for listening. And here's part one of our interview with Encinitas, California, multi-line agent, Katie Beach Harlan. Welcome back to the Daily Win, a Today App podcast. My name is Shay Antunes, and our guest today is one of the most impressive young agents within her company. Our guest today is Katie Beach Harlan. She is an agent in Encinitas, California, and has been an agent for about six years and has qualified for literally everything that she can qualify for with her company um, and is one of the top life insurance agents and within the company she represents. We're excited to ha- have her here today. Katie, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks, Shay, for having me on today. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. So you've been an agent for about six years, which mm-hmm. is awesome. How did you get your start in the insurance business? What made you want to be an insurance agent? So the funny story to that is I never thought I wanted to be. Um, I grew up in a State Farm family. My father, right out of college in the 70s, worked for State Farm Claims catastrophe team. And then he went into underwriting management where he met my mom who worked as an underwriting assistant, not his assistant, but an underwriting assistant. He's worked for the company, for our company forever. And then he saw the light and went into agency back in 1983. Well, I basically was born into it, but because I was born into it, hearing my parents talk about apps at the dinner table and travel at the dinner table and all these like catchphrase words that are very in tune with our company. 
I wanted nothing to do with it. I actually have a passion for politics and, or I did at the time. It's kind of a difficult subject these days. I went to college in San Diego um, for my degree in political science. And then I actually got a full ride to get my PhD in political science at a UC uh, school here in California. Um, And so I was in academia for about two years. I hated it. The biggest epiphany I had was that the decision makers are those that work for themselves and create their own destiny. I was really tired of working for people who were making decisions that I thought were poor and misguided, and then thus either crippling a campaign I was working on or crippling a policy initiative we were working on and blowing it up. And I was just tired of not being the one in control. I got my master's degree and got out of grad school. And while I was in grad school, I interned for an agent, not my father. And then I ended up working for my father for about four years, five years, and learned everything I could in the business. Basically got sucked into all that is our company. And um, randomly an agency came up that was within my time frame in the right area. And I jumped at the opportunity. I will tell you that it wasn't, like I said, I have my degrees in political science, um, really has nothing to do with what our day-to-day is. However, politics, particularly in California, probably everywhere in the country, has so much to do with, with, with our industry, regulations from the Department of Insurance. I'm very involved with that here locally and statewide, but so I'm a big plug for that. If you're not involved with that, make sure you talk to your powers that be, especially in today's world. We need people advocating for small business and insurance. Aside from that, like I said, I go back to that nagging feeling that I wanted to be the one in control of my own destiny. I wanted to be the decision maker. And the only way you can really do that, particularly for a female too, because if you want to have kids, you want to be a wife, you want to do it all, you really got to control your own calendar. So that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to become a business owner. I also wanted to make money and I wanted to provide a lifestyle for my family that my father provided for me. And I didn't want to miss any of my sons. And I'm actually pregnant with our second one. I didn't want to miss anything of my kids' lives. So that's a huge motivating factor for what I do and why I am in the industry I'm in. But in terms of why insurance, well, I grew up with it, but I also really, I've come to love parts of my job. Some of them I don't, and I hire to the areas I don't care for so much, but I love figuring out people's problems and helping them solve them, particularly as it comes to financial services and life insurance. It's my favorite part of my job. I love selling life insurance. So um, that kind of segues into into that. So yes, this is not what I thought I was going to do. And I have Thankfully, I feel super blessed, been wildly successful at it, but I also didn't really start out trying to make all these things. I didn't even know. I made Chairman Circle my first year and it was a kind of a happy mistake. I didn't know what I was doing, but now I very much know what I'm doing. I am a huge student of how I'm paid. I like to say that I'm probably an expert on our contract. Um, and maximizing it and building my agency around that, whether that's our incentive bonuses and or, but just mainly our, the way that we're paid on um, our commissions. So it's really important when you own a business, you got to figure out how you're paid. Katie, like you've mentioned, you've excelled in the financial services arena. Where do you get that passion for financial services? 
It's an interesting question because I think anything that you do, whether it's politics, campaigning, I actually teach jazzercise for fun, um, or aerobics for fun, you want to have passion for what you do. Every single job has areas you are passionate about and you're not passionate about. That's just the name of the game. So am I passionate about our billing services at our company, particularly our monthly billing services? Absolutely not. Hate dealing with it. It's a pain. But I have people on my team that like figuring out the puzzles of our billing problems, and I just don't want to deal with it. And so particularly to newer agents or agents aspirants that are listening to this, what I want to encourage you to do is during your first year um, of agency or while you're preparing to become an agent, really start taking note of the things you love to do, the things you're interested in, the things that push you, and the things you also don't like to do. Because during your first year of opening a business, you have to be good at everything you do. You just have to be. You have to lead by example. But after that, you can start to hire for the things and create an environment where you get to primarily do the things you love. I have a friend who's an agent who absolutely loves pouring into her team. She has these amazing team meetings and they read books together and they're really introspective and she's just so good at leading team. I am terrible at that and I don't like doing it. I hate having team meetings. My team meetings are 20 minutes long. We don't listen to podcasts, which we should probably, or I should just have them listen to this one. And we don't watch TED Talks together. We're just not very introspective. So that's just how I operate. And so where my passion for financial services came is it, it's the area in my business that stretches me intellectually. One life case is so different from another. Yesterday, I had a rather large one where I was cleaning up a prior agent's, what I think is to be poorly constructed policy. But then two days prior to that, I had a couple that just had a baby and totally new to life insurance. So completely different conversations, completely different outcomes. When I was talking to my sales leader about um, these cases and how vastly different they were, um, the one thing I kept coming back to is that when you find a passion for what you do, you start to hone in your craft, right? And so because I love selling and talking and figuring out life insurance as it pertains to people's savings and all the things that can kind of become part of the life insurance conversation, I really become a student of it where I am very intentional about the words I use, the way that I sell and the way that I explain coverages to people and particularly the order in which I do it all. And so regardless if you make $20,000 a year or $250,000 a year, you're going to get the same conversation with me with the same options. They're just going to be scaled a little bit differently. My passion for financial services, like I said, comes from the need to wanting to help, I love helping people and solving problems, but primarily, it's a little bit selfish. I just love the intellectual stimulation I get from it and the ability for me to kind of craft and hone in a skill on it. Several of my agent friends know this about me. I'm always, always constantly changing, amending, trying to make it better. And particularly in this COVID world we're in, I'm doing 90% of these now over the phone. So in fact, I just changed my order of how I'm going to sell or present life cases to clients. And I'm going to try it out next week and see if it works. And it might not because I failed last week. <laughs> so, but if, without failure, you don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. So you can't be afraid to try.
Absolutely. With financial services, it definitely is intellectually stimulating. And like you said, there's no really one size fits all solution for, for everybody. There's no governing body and no one that mandates that you have to have life insurance. To have the level of success that you've had requires success across all lines of business. Why is it so important to you to center your business around multi-line customers? It's a really good question. It's an actually an interesting conversation I had with my sales leader yesterday. He's actually one of my biggest thinking partners. So I'll, I'm going to kind of stop real quick and talk a little bit about thinking partners real fast. So one of my biz, I think one of the things that I'm, that has driven my success is I'm having about three to four people that I consider my thinking partners. So in any given situation or scenario, whether it's what's going on with my business or with my team or functionality, all the way to helping me prep and be prepared for life insurance cases. In my world, my sales leader is actually, I, I believe to be one of the best. I'm probably one of the smartest people I know. And so he's one of my thinking partners, as is a couple of very close agents. Anytime I have a financial services case or a big life insurance case, I run through it with my thinking partners. In fact, I ran through it with one of my best girlfriends down here in San Diego, um, my big case yesterday. And she was like, you know, you may not want to harp on this one piece a little bit too much. You might want to harp on this and then just use it as an added bonus. And I was like, oh, good point. Same thing. She had a big life case yesterday and we literally role played it over the phone together. So and then we debriefed. So there's the other piece real quick, you guys. Make sure you debrief your cases, uh, whether it's an IFR or a simple conversation, big case, all the way to a life insurance case, debrief it with someone on the back end so you can learn from the things that went well and the things that maybe need to be tweaked a little bit moving forward. So back to your question about multi-lining and why it's so important. So I was having this conversation about life insurance sales and why some agents and team members really, really struggle with it. And I actually have had the opportunity to be thinking partners for other agents that I'm mentoring and also go on some joint appointments, which sounds kind of weird because I had, there's nothing in it for me, but it was really introspective for me. And so if I had to kind of um, drill down to what I do and my success and the difference that I'm seeing in some of these agents is my ability to multi-line customers or have very thoughtful financial conversations regarding liability. That's kind of my key into things to find out what their financial picture is. It's ostensibly the same concept as the simple conversation. It's just much more organic. And so if you're not multi-lining your customers or you're not having this conversation about why you should have an umbrella policy, how big should that umbrella policy be, what are your attachable assets in a lawsuit, all these things, then when you go into a life case, you have no idea what their financial picture is. And you cannot sell and be successful in the life insurance case unless you know the full picture. And if I had to drill down the difference between the agents that I'm mentoring and where I've come, it's... When I go into a life case, I know how much they're making. I know what their savings looks like. And I know what their kind of my, their financial mindset is before I go in and propose a plan for them. And unfortunately, I've gone on so many life cases with some, with some agents or team members where they don't even know how much the people are making. I mean, like, how do you prescribe something? It's like being a doctor and prescribing a medicine to someone that you have no idea what their symptoms are. So multi-lining is so important. One, it's the right thing to do for the customer, but also you're writing the right amount of coverages, you're insulating yourself, but you're creating a much um, straightforward path and a much easier path than 
that leads into financial services. It, it sounds like it makes the whole conversation just more holistic. Like oh, looking yeah. at the, the total needs and not transactional. Yeah, you walk up to some random person, you're like, hey, you want?" it's like the movie Groundhog's Day where the guy's like, have you heard of universal life? It's really awkward. It's salesy. It's mm -hmm. slimy. Mm -hmm. It's all those things that people don't like and are put off. But when you talk to someone and they come in because they know we do auto insurance, they know we do fire insurance or homeowners insurance, you bring them in and say, let's review, let's take a look at your liability. Has anybody told you what's at stake? Mm -hmm. And if you're to get into a bad car accident or somebody slips and falls at your house or you get sued for slander or libel, because those are real things today right now with social media, mm -hmm. especially right now, how contentious it is. are the conversations that my team and I have, and I tell my team all the time, if you write an umbrella policy, you better be able to back up why they necessitated a $1 million versus a $2 million versus a three. My agency averages about $3 million on umbrella policies. Now, I am in an affluent area, but mm -hmm. there's a reason why we offer one to $30 million, like there, because there's so much in between. What multi-lining does for the customers, it, sets, it pulls their guards down and their defense mechanisms down. So it's a very easy and obvious pathway into financial services. If I did an entire simple conversation or multi-line conversation with a customer, basically what I tell them, especially now, because a lot of these are over the phone and they need to be very simplified and they need to be quick because attention spans aren't long. My phone conversations are usually only about 15 minutes because they're going to lose, you're going to lose them. Mm -hmm. um, I tell my customers or my potential customers, today we're going to talk about the three most financially catastrophic situations that could happen to your family as it pertains to your insurance. So number one, you get sued, liability coverage. Number two, your house burns down, you lose your equity position in your house. And number three, somebody um, passes away in your family, you lose an income or you lose a family member. So those are the three areas that have devastating financial consequences on your family that are hard to come back from, but can be easily solved with insurance. So, because let's be honest, especially to all the team members and agents out there, I was so tired after about three weeks of having conversations about freaking COVID <laughs> that I'm like, I've got to direct and narrow this conversation and let them know what I'm going to set the agenda from the very beginning, because I am not going to have a conversation about COVID for 30 minutes. Like I can't, it's going to drive me crazy. And, and, and it gets to the point, right? Those are the three things you really care about. You want to make sure that their house is properly insured, that they've got enough liability coverage and that their loved ones are covered. So, um, and it gets to the point really fast. It'd be much more difficult to be a life only agent if I didn't have those other things to talk about too, to draw the defense mm -hmm. mechanisms down. I wanted to talk a little bit about your team and just kind of how, how you set expectations for your team. How do you set expectations for activity and production for your team? Yeah, that's a really good question. So it's so funny. Another conversation I've had with a couple of my uh, thinking partners is this concept, especially right now during COVID, um, we're in my office, but technically in California, we're still in massive lockdown. And so a lot of us have had to move into this idea or concept of remote working. And so team accountability has never been more important. And while I joked around in the beginning that I strongly dislike having team meetings, it doesn't mean I don't have them. Mine are just hyper-focused. And so my team knows that at the beginning of the year, our focus is grow auto, grow fire, write life. It's what I believe in. It's also directly correlated to how I'm paid and what comes out of our bonus. Our team meetings last about 30 minutes, once a week, right when our reports come out on Tuesdays. And we just look through everything. Where are we at? Where are we tracking? 
my team knows how much it takes to get to chairman circle and to the different things just because they know that that's important for our office to be one of those offices that makes that. But um, at the end of the day, it's no surprise to them where we're at in, in the year. Like, and then every other day I meet with my sales team and we go over agent um, AIR looking at all of our, how many autos have issued because <laughs> it, Sometimes it's a make or break of just two or three autos that can make or break your year or your bonus or your commission structure. So um, I don't leave anything to chance. And that only takes 10 minutes, but we also use the Today app, which is huge. So we're always going between those two and making sure that everything that I have in AIR is matching what they put into Today app. And now with it being integrated with ECRM, it's so much easier. But again, these things don't take very long, especially when you've got good apps like the Today app to help you with that. And it, gosh, I love using it for running my um, payroll and my bonuses and just simplified my life. But um, that's how I keep my team accountable. It's just almost like a daily thing. They kind of call me Hurricane Katie because it's like either get on the crazy train or get off because I am so busy. I've got so much going on. And when I come in, it's like boom, 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 boom. So if you're not able to keep up with me, uh, you're not able to work in this office. My team knows that. My expectations are very high. Also kind of back on the expectations, not so much on activity and production, but just on culture and professionalism. So especially for new agents out there and or those wanting to open an agency, I think the thing that a lot is that is missed at our company is this importance of culture. You've really, really got to think about what kind of office environment do you want to have, right? So in non-COVID times, I'm wearing heels every day. I'm dressed very professional. My team is. The way they communicate over email is professional. The way we communicate over phone is highly professional. And I work on these things with them because I want to compete with the big financial advisors, with the other people trying to grab at people's money. I want my customers to think, yeah, I feel comfortable giving this office $50,000 a year in life insurance. I made that number up. It's not that high usually, but you know what I'm saying, right? So I want my customers to believe aesthetically that it makes sense that we're offering them a $5 million umbrella. Like this just all goes together. However, during COVID right now, we don't have anybody coming in. So we're wearing baseball hats and Lululemon all the time. So there's, that is a huge expectation for my team. It's professionalism and maintaining a professional culture in my office, but also having fun. Lululemon never hurt anybody. And so, <laughs> no. so you're looking for professionalism. What other characteristics are you looking for in a potential team member when you're looking to hire? Sure. There's a really, really great book. It was a, a speaker at Chairman Circle a few years ago. His name is Daniel Pink. It's called To Sell is Human. And in that book, he references a study that was done on MetLife insurance agents. And what this study did was they were really, really interested. The burnout rate for life-only agents with any company is extremely high. And so what this study did um, is they looked at what was the defining factor um, in those that succeeded at selling life insurance and those that didn't? And what it got drilled down to was really interesting. It was optimism. So when, when you go into a sale and you lose it, right? You blow it. Do you look at that sale is, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose every sale after this and it's totally universal and I suck at my job. Or do you look at that one sale for what it was and say, okay, what are the mitigating factors? What did I do? What did the customer do? What's going on? 
right? Um, if you can look at a, one sale on its own rather than universal, then you're optimistic, right? You maintain this optimism. So you look and you don't take things personal. Optimism is my number one thing that I look for because I don't think it's something that can be learned. I think it's something inherent in you. Um, are you able to kind of dust yourself off and then pick yourself back and then run through the wall again, but run through it differently because you want to look, like I said earlier, debrief what you've done. That concept from Daniel Pink really, really struck a chord with me because I thought that's not something I usually look for in people, but optimism is huge. So with optimism, I'd say the other characteristics I'm looking for in a potential team member is um, coachability. Are they able to be coached? If they're optimistic, most of the time they can be coached, um, but will they listen to what I say? I hired a team member who's now my agent aspirant and he had never sold anything, worked for a previous agent. That agent told me he'd never sell anything. And I looked him straight in the eye and I said, this is a sales office. You have to sell. This is a sales position. If you want this position, I will teach you everything I know, but you have to listen and you have to do what I say. And he's like, I'm game. I'll do it. And now he's one of my top sales producers in my offices. So again, coachability. If he wasn't willing to be coached, there's no, and I, this is probably one of the determining factors in failed agents versus successful agents too, is the ability to be coached. And not just by like your sales leader or your AFS or whoever, but think about what I just told you guys about thinking partners. I seek out coaching. <laughs> like I ask people to coach me as an agent. If you don't go seek it out, you're not going to get anybody telling you how to do something better in the future because you are the boss. So you want to be coachable too. And anytime I share um, my process or my success with anyone, I always ask them, please go try it. Then come back and tell me what did or didn't work. Cause I want to learn from you too. Coachability, optimism. And then one small tactical thing that sounds silly, but you either are, or you aren't, you're either a multitasker or you're not. So can they multitask? Because there's a gazillion things going on at once. I'm telling them to do something. Then somebody's calling in and someone's IMing them. And then the next person's emailing them. So if they're not a multitasker, it's not going to fly. So optimism, coachability, and multitasking are the three characteristics I look for in a team member. How do you test for optimism when you're speaking? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Basically, it's those open-ended competency questions that we all know so well, but asking them about scenarios or asking them to describe a situation where um, they were going into a sale or they were going in to do something or complete something, a task at hand, what did they do to prepare for it? Tell me about the whole process. And then I asked them about a time that they failed at something. And I want to hear about that whole process too, because that'll kind of draw out, okay, did they seek guidance before to somebody who might've known? Did they apply that guidance? And then on the back end, even if they succeeded or they failed, did they debrief on it? Um, and then did they go try it again? Perseverance is really inherent in optimism. So that's where I kind of asking some competency questions around, tell me about a time when you had to go to complete a task, whether that was climbing a mountain or whatever it was, going skiing, anything, or you had to learn something new. Um, tell me like how, you know, you succeeded or failed at that and then what you did moving forward and then let them talk. So that's kind of open-ended questions around those um, is probably the best way to seek that out. I would imagine there's also a little bit of a gut feel too. When you oh yeah. Somebody. You can just yeah. kind of tell, like I said, all three of those things, optimism, coachability, and multitasking are inherent 
-hmm. they're very difficult to teach or to correct out of. So that's right. why I'm looking for them. Everything else I can teach. Like, I'm not going to ask someone if they can sell life insurance because I don't really care. I'll teach them how to do that. But if they're mm -hmm. not coachable, there's no teaching. If they're right. not optimistic, they're going to fail. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then um, if they can't multitask, they're not going to multi-line. Like, so all those things go hand in hand for sure. I absolutely love Katie's intensity, her passion, and her focus. You can tell that she loves her career and that it's way more than just something she does from nine to five every day. She is a true business owner. And there's so much more left to discuss in part two of our conversation. And I cannot wait to share it with you on August 31st. If you have a question that you would like us to answer uh, in one of the Founders Corner segments, please send in your questions to thedailywin at todayapp.com. Again, it's thedailywin at todayapp.com. If you could, if you really like our show, please rate and subscribe to our show. We do love five-star reviews. So if you can leave, leave a five-star review, we would absolutely appreciate that. And if you subscribe to our show, every episode will automatically drop in your podcast uh, feed on the date that it's released. And so our podcasts were available everywhere on Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Anchor. And if you subscribe today, you'll have part two of our interview with multi-time Chairman Circle agent, MDRT, President's Club, and Exotic Traveler, Katie Beach Harlan, drop in your feed on August 31st. So thank you again to Katie for joining us today. And thank you so much for listening. Have a winning day.